हेलो एंड वेलकम टू द बीएल पॉडकास्ट आई एम निवेदिता वरदराजन बेन बर्नन के डगलस डायमंड एंड फिलिप डिविग वन द नोबेल प्राइज फॉर इकोनॉमिक्स इन 2022 फॉर देयर रिसर्च ऑन बैंक्स इन फाइनेंशियल क्राइसिसेस बट व्हाट एग्जैक्टली डिड दे लर्न एंड व्हाट कैन वी लर्न फ्रॉम दीस रिसर्चेस आई हैव विद मी सीनियर डेप्यूटी एडिटर बास्कर बी टू एक्सप्लेन दीस विद मी विद मी टुडे थैंक यू सो मच फॉर जॉइनिंग अस टुडे यस थैंक यू सो मच निवेदिता फॉर हैविंग मी या दे डिविग डायमंड एंड बेनन के ऑफ कोर्स बेनन के इज द most uh, famous of the three mm-hmm. because he was he was fed chief and uh, he had and uh, basically they they did work on banking and the role uh, of banks in the economy in a very very broad way and um, dibwig uh, diamond model of maturity transformation it's basically about how you know banks play a very crucial role in financial intermediation they they basically channelize deposits from common people and then they lend that money to borrowers so borrowers who borrow money for a variety of uh, you know for businesses for mm-hmm. buying houses for funding their education and stuff like that but typically uh, deposits are short term uh, in nature and borrowing loans which are lent are a long term so there is this mismatch so what happens if one day all the depositors land up in the bank's doorstep and say listen we want our deposits back and uh, the banks will not be able to give the b- money back to the depositors because they have already lent that money out how do banks deal with this kind of a potential situation that's that's pretty much what uh, uh, these two economists uh, they wrote about in a paper that they wrote in the review of economic studies way back in 1984 so basically why, why do why do depositors just land up at the bank's doorstep they've lost trust in a bank a rumor oh, yeah rumor they typically called a, yeah there's a panic hmm. so it's called a run on a bank why does that happen it happens for a variety of reasons but basically the, the trust has been broken that hmm. you know I, i can't trust this bank with my deposits anymore so how how do uh, banks deal with this so these two economists came up with a very important concept I, it, it was a concept that was there in the past but i think these people sort of so i mean made it more uh, you know mainstream yeah mainstream but they made it more sophisticated and they worked out the nitty gritty of it called deposit insurance scheme where basically what they are saying is if the government is able to step in and give a guarantee to depositors listen we are there we are we are there your deposits are not going anywhere we are guaranteeing your deposits Hmm. and bonake is famous for a being the us federal chief yeah. when uh, the 2008 financial crisis happened we'll talk about that in a detail in a while mm-hmm. but he came to prominence while talking about the great depression right and how mm-hmm. how financial uh, institutions have a role to play in mm-hmm. the depression at mm-hmm. that time can you tell us more about that yeah see he wrote a paper in 1980 Uh, 3 i suppose yeah american economic he wrote about depression he he researched a great deal about depression see till that time the the general consensus in the academia was that the great depression of the 1930s happened because there was a collapse in aggregate demand this is what Uh, economists call this called aggregate they they have these terms and aggregate demand aggregate supply so aggregate demand is basically consumption so mm-hmm. if people stop buying goods and services 
businesses lose money because they are not able to sell what they have produced mm. so and then they go out of business and then they people lose jobs so that sort of feeds into the whole it's thing and then cycle. yeah and the growth goes down and mm. then it it loses it leads to a recession and then of course the the great depression was sparked by a massive stock market crash because there was massive uh, irrational exuberance of yeah, a yeah. massive kind the consensus was that it was lack of consumption that was leading to mm. but this is where bernanke said no it, it wasn't just that it was something more than that also this was also a cause but basically he said that there was a run on banks mm-hmm. people lost their faith because whatever they were losing jobs there was a depression in the economy they needed money so they ran to the banks there was a panic banks also so started banks, to fail yeah banks also started to fail so it was actually the bank the failure of the banks with the collapse of the banking system that sort of prolonged the Hmm. uh the depression if it was just an aggregate demand problem maybe the government could have stepped in i mean yeah keynes's whole work is on that in 1936 he wrote that his magnum opus which is which is pretty much the backbone of modern uh, macroeconomics but we'll not go there we'll we'll talk over some other time but this is basically what he said it is not just a, a question of aggregate collapse of aggregate demand it was also the banking system which failed and which precipitated the uh, The, the depression of the 1930s yeah, multiple reasons cause yeah, a yeah, depression yeah, yeah. and it goes yeah, on yeah. forever it is it is aggregate demand and also the banking side mm-hmm. the both sort of feed into each other and so and it it makes the problem yeah. worse uh, and the us came out of uh, uh, depression because of political will more than anything else uh, no the basically the government stepped in Yeah, the government stepped in and came in with. Yeah, it was it was a stimulus package of those days. Yeah, it basically pumped in money into the economy. They they created lot of they they did lot of this you know jobs, jobs and all that. A uh, uh, lot of infrastructure. Road, yeah, 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 road, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty much what Keynes said. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty much what Keynes said. He said just give shovels in the hands of men, ask them to dig it and close close it, it and just give them money for yeah. it. So you know that's you know, so, so that's political will. So Bernanke is a very controversial figure. Mm. Uh, people who like him say that he helped ensure that the great financial crisis of 2008 did not become a depression uh, there was only a recession and his detractors his critics say that uh, his policies has had a long impact and we are still reeling under some of its effects yeah, yeah. so what's your take on it yeah, what see, are they what happened see bernanke was uh, actually this is very uh, interesting the nobel prize usually is given to you know hardcore academics who sometimes work in some very abstruse areas but this time they actually gave it to bernanke who was actually a policy maker but they usually policy makers don't get <laughs> the yeah. nobel for whatever reason but this time they gave it see what but bernanke also was an academic he used to teach at princeton and uh, in 2006 he became the fed chief mm-hmm. and uh, and he was also behind the curve he also did not see the uh, global financial crisis coming in fact in early 2007 and actually a uh, former Uh, RBI governor D Subaru has a very interesting column today in one of the newspapers where it's full of uh, anecdotes you must actually read it it's it's, it's, a, it's a fun article to read it's a lot of nice interesting nuggets about Bernanke even in early 2007 in a in a deposition uh, with the US uh, Congress Bernanke said no there is no crisis even when the crisis was Starting. beginning to build the mm. subprime crisis where basically people were not able to they were housing loan defaults were rising he said no no this is just a isolated problem it's not going to feed into the economy it's not going to. he said that in early 2007 mm. and by in late year, 2000s yeah later 2007 lehman brothers collapsed and yeah. the entire global financial system was literally keeling 
so even he was behind the curve hmm. so in that sense yeah he also didn't see it coming like a lot of economists of that era hmm. of that period no can you blame him for that i don't know i mean it's 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 your ideological stance i mean but what he did and this is where his uh, admirers uh, including d subaro uh, who was rbi governor a little later who had a lot of interaction with him uh, he says no no and a lot of people who who admire him said no no he may have been behind the curve at the beginning but once he was gripped of the problem he he just he, yeah, he just yeah yeah, yeah yeah he yeah. just went for it he he just you know he, there was no holding back so he came up with this quantitative easing program and you know this is basically what i'll i'll give you a little i'll give you a small uh, uh, just a minute or two i'll explain about how this quantitative easing and how these fiscal stimulus mm-hmm. packages work basically what the the government or the central bank does is it it just prints more money hmm. it prints more money and it gives money into your hands hoping that you would go and spend, we'll spend it, it. Yeah. Say, yeah and if you spend it the aggregate demand rises and that businesses it, make more money and uh, you know that the, yeah, the, yeah. the demand cycle goes up the investment cycle goes up and then growth goes up there are two aspects to it one was that the banking system itself was was in such a mess they mm. they needed money mm. they needed money to survive so they the the government had to bail them out but that wasn't exactly the fed uh, the feds role there it was more the government uh, the obama yeah, administration yeah, yeah, yeah. was more in charge of that he was more uh, bernanke was uh, qe qe was his uh, uh, quantitative easing was basically basically he was uh, you know uh it was a bond they 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 buy bonds from the market and they release funds into the market so so it's like this it's, it's what happens is they buy the bonds and they release the money and the the bonds are sold by major investment banks and uh, other financial institutions and they get this money from from the us fed and the us fed hopes that this these banks will lend this money for productive purposes to the businesses and the businesses will take this money and invest mm-hmm. and this is a very textbook this may not happen see what happens is many of these banks what they do is they may not just lend all the money for productive purpose they may keep a good chunk for speculative yeah, yeah speculative yeah. thing so they are looking at markets all over the world they are looking at the bombay stock exchange they are looking at hang seng they are looking at china they are looking at singapore they are looking at tokyo and they feel that let's we got this money now hmm. you know we've sold this bond to the us fed and we got this money now and let's see how we, how we can make more money out of it so, so they, they're looking yeah, for yeah. profit maximization yeah, and not not exactly so they it's sort of there's a bit of a risk here <laughs> you know the the fed thinks that this money in the hands of the banks will lead to more uh, lending and more economic activity but they, it may not happen that way that's <laughs> that's a bit of a caveat so but uh, somehow bernanke also was uh, you know uh see but to see the thing is uh, this this fiscal deficit this this fiscal stimulus and qe see uh, there is there is there are always consequences see any economic policy will have a fallout will have action the action yeah. yeah. it will have a blowback and sure enough initially uh, you know initially they were able to you know ward off the crisis they were mm. able to the economy was also okay somehow didn't sort of quite collapse the way they were fearing but then you know by 2012 2013 especially in emer- emerging economies i mean mm. this this sort of uh, we had a, i mean 2013 we had a very bad crisis yeah. in india the rupee fell by 20% and you know there, there was this capital flight you know because and what happened and i tell you why this happened because this is what uh, is called as a taper tantrum 
Bernanke almost made a very offhand remark saying that yeah I think we've done enough quantitative easing now I think we're going to slow down hmm. we're going to slow down on this pumping of money into the economy we're going to pull something back because this can't go on forever hmm. right because so we got to pull back so the markets reacted really majorly so it, this was so that led to a crisis in a lot of emerging economies including india so there was inflation was running high rupee fell our current account deficit worsened and it was a bad situation hmm. our, we we came very close to a financial crisis there the are other economic factors too yeah, oil prices yeah, were yeah, high yeah 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 oil prices that, were high yeah. commodity prices were high and the inflation was running high hmm. so we came very close to a financial crisis hmm. in hmm. bop crisis in yeah. 2013 Yes I mean we sort of managed it because uh, we were able to get deposits from NRIs and we the RBI came yeah, up with some innovative yeah. methods to you know shore up the rupee but yeah this is why uh, this happened now why why do people criticize Bernanke see uh, it's yeah it, it is see it's it's like a you know the US Fed has no uh, it's it's sort of pumps in money when it wants it raises rates when it wants so that that creates a, a massive uh, f- imbalances in financial flows hmm. we are a globalized economy where mo- money is like kind of moving from one end to the other in, in such rapid uh, speed it's See, a pitfall of yeah, globalization yeah, yeah, we can't yeah, do yeah, yeah we can't do anything about it so uh, what jerome powell is doing today and what uh, i mean what the us did when the pandemic broke out was pretty much what Bernanke did then because there was a pandemic the economy was collapsing there there was growth fears so pe- people said no no we are going to go in for a major yeah, so, yeah yeah we are going to go in for a major I mean, and trump was literally haranguing uh, powell to you know pump he wanted the economy we wanted growth so mm. that he could go to the people and say i delivered growth and then now uh, and here it's, it's a very funny thing it's it's like even a year ago even a year ago Jerome Powell didn't think that inflation was such a big deal. He thought it was a transitory phenomenon. And today he is like going gung ho hammer and tongs. He is like I'm not going to stop till the the inflation comes down to 2% and it's running at around 9%. It's a four decade high. Yeah. And he's like and this is creating mayhem across the world. Hmm. So this is I mean predictably led to a lot of heartburn. among <laughs> a lot of, lot of yeah. people in the emerging markets especially and the world over yeah so it's like you know the, the us fed pretty much does what it feels like even the us yeah. government can't do, can't much. do like much like even if biden it. wants yeah. to yeah. do something He's, he can't do anything yeah so that is the that is the criticism now i will sort of play a devil's advocate here and i, I said i will say that maybe not all the fault lies with uh, bernanke because mm-hmm. you know often you have at, he did what he had to do at that point of time hmm. you know you you sometimes can't think uh, yeah you know you know that if you pump too much money into the economy eventually inflation will go up because you know see how does how this happens is people have money you you're pumping money into the system people have money you are, you want them to go and buy stuff they go buy stuff the businesses sell that goods now the supply has to match with the rising demand if yeah. it doesn't then prices start rising yeah right so there there is a supply side problem to this whole thing so that is what happens so what happens now the economy gets overheated so the the fed or the central bank starts raising rates to cool down the economy to contract demand so mm-hmm. that it comes down to the supply level or the way to deal with this is to produce more goods that may not be possible for a variety of reasons in the short run 
But yeah, again, see, uh, Bernanke wasn't the only central gov- central governor to go in for stimulus. Yeah, I mean, Bernanke, I think, uh, I mean, the, the reality somewhere, uh, he, he's, you don't have to admire him the way some people are admiring him, but you don't have to make him a villain also. I mean, policymakers have a very difficult task on their hands, you know, you you react to yeah, now, yeah. Right? and they are doing. They are dealing with variables. There, there are so many factors which are just completely out of your hands. Hmm. So you are doing the best of what you can do today, and hmm. hoping for the best to happen. You just kick the can down the road yeah, and yeah. expect so, to deal yeah, with it. Yeah, so there is a lot of political pressure also. Hmm. So yeah, that is my take on it. He's not the messiah he's made out to be. Neither is he the villain. What do you do? I mean, see, for instance, I. I there was this uh, U.S. Treasury Secretary called John Colony way, way back in '71 when when the gold standard when Nixon government uh, gave up on the gold standard and the dollar became. So he said uh, so there was a great deal of turmoil, and then he very 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 blithely said, you know, dollar is our currency, but it's your problem. <laughs> so he said, listen, we are we are going to do whatever we think is right. I mean, yeah. if you have to, you have you face negative consequences, that's your problem. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a very arrogant thing to say, but that's it how the US felt. Yeah, that's what. It's See, it, it all goes back to why? Why is the the dollar a reserve currency in the world? Why do people still have such a great faith in the dollar? Mm. Why do central banks all over the world invest in US, US treasuries? Because the US is the world's most biggest economy, biggest military power. Mm. So there is a certain imbalance in the in the whole structure, mm. and this is just a reflection of that. Hmm. You know, you have one superpower. Yeah, you have a China coming up, and you have. But Russia. it's a long way. But it's still a long way. I mean, that is still. We still want to export to the US. Hmm. We still want to go to American universities and study there. We still the American economy is where America still does attract the best talent. I mean, all the Nobel laureates are largely from that con- country every year, year after year. Yeah. Three, all three economies are from the US. Hmm. So that that imbalance is what is sort of playing out here. I hmm. mean, that in a very macro big picture way this is how I view it so don't make uh, a yeah. hero yeah, or a yeah, yeah yeah just he a guy was, who's yeah, trying to just, do the best just the can. best of what he had to do at that point of time yeah that's how I view it yeah so there's an important point we talked about before we started to record this you told me that all three economists placed a good important great role for the government in this can you tell us a little about that yeah see the generally uh, in the U.S. academia, uh, they have great suspicion for the government. Mm. You know, it's, it's, they see themselves as a premier free market economy, and that's the kind of model the world should emulate. And you know, less government. And we, we are the Modi government when it came to power in 2014. It said, you know, uh, maximum governance, minimum government, and that kind of a thing. So it's, it's it's sort of it seeps into all policymakers. They're saying the government is bad. You should leave everything to market forces. Everything will be okay. But that is a lot of guff, actually. So, both in in Diamond and Divig's model of where they spoke about deposit insurance, there's a role for the government there. See, the, the, government, the government is the lender of the last yeah. resort. I mean, it, it, he's, they're saying that, listen, if everything else fails, there is the government. The center is there, yeah. Okay. And that led to a lot of important regulation. And that even in Bernanke's case, I mean, where he, say, he envisaged a role for, for the government in... Banks are too. I mean, if you have a bank that is too big to fail, if you let if you if you let it to market forces, what happens? You yes, have a city bank, uh, a city bank like bank collapsing. 
what i mean you can you imagine the kind of uh, chaos that is going to create to not just ordinary depositors so the entire economy yeah. so the government can't let these banks fail so they are there so these three economists have very openly kind of said i mean this is my reading of the mm-hmm. situation i have not read i don't know whether they actually spoke about it openly this is how this is the important takeaway i have from their work from whatever i have gleaned so far mm. is that they they think that they have they they envisage a very very important role for the state in the financial sector of a capitalist a liberal democratic capitalist economy mm. so a libertarian the, model of free economy totally free capitalist yeah, society it, probably they, they, won't I don't think it, that that model ever existed mm. if you ask me yeah it is something like you know like a, like a golden past you know it, it's just there in our mind Utopia. I, yeah it is it never happened it's, so yeah. like how for in politics it's the welfare state is the ideal mm. in here in the financial world in the economic world uh, the government being the yeah the enforcer there, of trust would is, be yeah there. yeah 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 it is there it is there they, you you can't uh, they they have a very important role to play yeah finally i like to end by mm. asking you one last question so just like in 2008 we are having some sort of a financial what could be a financial crisis or what some say is a financial crisis are there any lessons we can learn from the studies of these three nobel laureates you see eco- economics is a very very interesting subject it's very good at explaining economic phenomena it's not great at predicting the future hmm. and you can hardly i mean despite all the very sophisticated data sets that are available despite all the very sophisticated econometric models and you have some very smart women and men working in this field but it is still so hard to predict what is going to happen because just mm. just just too much uncertainty in in life yeah yeah who, who would have thought that russia and ukraine are going to go to a war 10 months and there is no sign of 8 uh, months there is no sign of this i mean it's created so much uh, disruption for the whole system for whole economic mm-hmm. good system but so that's that's the kind of thing so what are the lessons i don't know i mean i don't think even these three economists would be uh see as far as india is concerned today the situation is bad the the there is capital flight the the feds rate hikes aggressive rate hikes are creating massive financial imbalances in the economy the rupee is plummeting it is depleting our forex reserves all that is the, the there are worries over the current account deficit you know all mm. those things are there but the thing is today and and inflation also is a sticky kind of a phenomenon it's it's not going down it's there so the rbi is also you know raising rates and it the rbi is pretty much following what the us fed is doing we are forced to follow these guys mm. we can't do anything what are the policy see the thing is is there a possibility of uh, uh, of you know basically the, the the us fed is one central bank which is pretty much doing what it wants to do mm-hmm. it's 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 in a very sophisticated way following what john connolly said you know it's our currency but it's your problem mm-hmm. you know we and paul is saying listen for me i am focused on bringing Only down the inflation yeah i am just US. focused on bringing down i mean he is even going to the i mean he is even willing to let us slip into a recession mm-hmm. but i am focused on bringing inflation down to 2% from 9% that is my agenda whatever happens to the rest of the world he is he is not saying it in as many words but it's pretty much implied that listen he's doing it yeah that's your problem yeah. i am doing this because this is what i have to do this is what i think is i should be doing you have to face the consequences you deal with it so yeah you have institutions like imf is not it came out to the world economic a very gloomy report 
saying yeah you have to increase your buffers you have to increase your forex reserves you have to put in place where you know you have to make sure your financial systems don't collapse because it's 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 a bad scene mm-hmm. you know 2023 a lot of economies are going to go into recession that's pretty much what the imf said yesterday is there a lesson for the future i i'll just give a couple of very 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 utopian very speculative is there a is there a is there a role for the uh, bis here is there is there a role for them can they sort of coordinate uh, monetary policies of the various at least the various major central banks to make sure that there is no major macroeconomic financial imbalances in the world hmm. is there a role for the bis there can they spearhead something like that can they take the role maybe there is a role for them i don't know i'm just wondering i'm just throwing out these ideas will the us fed agree to other countries yeah. also should agree yeah, you're yeah. basically giving basically, away yeah, yeah, the, yeah. your right your sovereignty yeah you're, you're, you're basically see this this ultimately it is it is real politics it is like you know it is like politics i mean you are doing what you think is best for you hmm. there is there is a lot of self interest here so hmm. that's what the us fed is right now doing hmm. and because the whole global system economic system is so skewed is so imbalanced so heavily in, fa- in favor of the us it's we are feeling the consequences so, so is there a way i mean once we get out of this mess i don't know how long this mess is i don't know it, it looks all it looks all yeah it looks all so gloomy and uncertain hmm. right now Who knows how long this will prolong but is there a, is there a role for the bis here can the central bankers sort of sit together and say hey is there a way out of this can we sort of coordinate our monetary policies in a way where you know these kind of massive have a this kind of massive capital flight from one economy to the other does not happen is can we sort of coordinate our policy rates hmm. is is there a possibility of that i don't know but that is worth looking at thank you so much for joining us welcome sir it's been a pleasure